In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Welcome to GirlfriendIt, where we want to rally you to do the remarkable. This is Patty. Since Lisa rudely left the United States and went to Israel, I told our sound producer she's going to come back a little more holier than me, so I better amp up my quiet time. And speaking of amping up your quiet time, that is what we will be talking about today. How are you listening to God? Well, are you listening to God, and do you know when he is nudging you? We are going to be speaking with our first guest, Lynn Rush, who is an author, and we are going to ask her that very question. So, Lynn, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. And you're going, uh-oh, what question? What, what, are you, what are you putting me against the wall? What do I have to answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you are an author, Lynn. Tell us a little bit about how you knew to accept that calling, to hear God's nudge, and to go into that direction. Did it just kind of fall in your lap, or what were some of your decisions behind going that, way, that route? Well, it's kind of an interesting story, because I, I didn't really grow up wanting to be a writer, didn't do a lot of writing as a kid, wasn't on a newspaper or yearbook staff or anything in school. So I almost knew that I had to follow the, the nudge when I got it in 2000, you know, late 2007, because it was just so ridiculous, actually. I mean, God kind of works that way, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, I just wrote and wrote and wrote, and all of a sudden I had a novel and just started taking some steps, and, you know, God opens and shuts doors, and I just keep walking. <laughs> well, so you um, you are a paranormal writer, so um, people have a tendency to look at that and go, okay, now what makes someone, you know, go in that direction? Because I, I, look, at the, I look at all authors as being highly creative, but um, to go into that world of, um, I don't know, some people see it as very frightening and scary, <laughs> what, what made you go that direction? I've always loved just crazy things. You know, I, I grew up watching, you know, like the Hulk and Wonder Woman, Bionic Woman, you know, all those crazy shows. And then, you know, in junior high, high school, went to, you know, Buffy and Charm. And, and some of that, you know, can be kind of dark and not, but the, it just is like an escape and just like where the crazy just became normal. <laughs> it was pretty fun. So I'm not surprised I'm writing paranormal. It just kind of fits me. 
Well, I have a, a question for you just to hit on the, the personal aspect of that. Uh, have you grown up in a Christian home? Were you raised as a Christian? No. I, I was one of those that um, the parents dropped me off for church, said, you know, go through uh, confirmation, and then, you know, you decide. You know, it was up to me, it was up to me. And, of course, I, you know, didn't care about anything after confirmation until my senior year. Then I then I found it. I was at a tennis camp. And I said, you know what? There's something bigger out there than me. I need to check this out. And, you know, ever since then, I, and that was in, you know, my junior year of high school. High school. Well, so when you started writing, you know, in under the paranormal umbrella, did you have Christians that were around you that kind of looked at you thinking, okay, this isn't the, the holy route. <laughs> you you shouldn't be writing in this direction? Yeah, um, I think there were a few. I, and no one's really ever come to my face and said, you know, you, you're doing the devil's work or anything. Um, but I did have a few kind of shy away from me. Um, but when you've got people like Ted Decker, Frank Peretti, um, those guys writing about, you know, fantasy stuff and, and speculative fiction stuff, um, it, it's kind of hard to refute. And I think you're always going to see kind of, in my in my writing, I'm on the sweeter side of the paranormal romance part, and that pretty much reflects, you know, my outlook on life. So, I, you know, I'm a Christian writing secular romance for sure. Yes. Well, you, I think... Exactly what you just said, those two authors, because I love, Frank Preddy is one of my favorite authors, and then, you know, Ted Decker, just, just love what they've written, and I, I think I've, I've read every single one of their books. Um, they really did pave the way for you to be able to, I mean, and that's great that they were able to open up those, those doors, because I know I used to read uh, Stephen King, and um, I'm trying to think of Cooney, D- Dean R. Coontz. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, Odd Thomas. <laughs> I love that series. And I would get comments from some of my Christian friends that, you know, why would you fill your head with that, basically that junk? And um, I, I love that whole, the, the mystery, this, you know, getting scared, being frightened. I, I like just kind of that escape going down that route. And so um, being able to read you know, Frank Peretti or Ted Decker, it almost gave you an excuse because you're able to say, oh, no, they're believers. I'm allowed to read these books. So I think it's really neat that um, that you're going that direction. And tell us a little bit about your book because your new book, Wasteland, just came out September 2011, correct? Yes, definitely. And, you know, the, the short version of it, because, you know, we come up with, like, little Twitter versions <laughs> because that's just, you know, you put it out there on Twitter so much. is a tormented half-demon seeks salvation in a teen's prophesied power, but he must resist her attempting protector or face eternal damnation. That's, like, the quickest way to, to paraphrase Wasteland. You know, lots of light and dark and, you know, the romance. <laughs> wow. Well, I know the whole light and dark romance has really been a huge um, hit right now ever since Stephanie Meyer's her vampire, the mm-hmm. Twilight series. That has really made um, people step up, and, and it just seems like it's this phenomenon almost. Of, it is. 
especially the young adults. And I'm technically not young adults. I'm a new adult, but that's just a hot area right now. Does, and does that cause you to, I mean, so many times as women, we, we get into the comparison game and it's easy to look and go, wow, that is really a hot topic. I'm going to go that direction and, and write with a little bit of that lens. Do you have a tendency to do that? Or are you pretty focused on who you are and what you write? I'll tell you the truth. Um, when I first started out, I didn't, I didn't even know I was writing new adults. I just kept getting told, your characters are too old for young adults. They're too young for adult. You know, you, you need to change this. You need to lower the age of your characters. You need, you need, you need, you need. And I just, I mean, well, one, I didn't know what I was doing, so I just, I just kept writing what I knew and what I liked and what I thought I was supposed to be writing. And um, eventually, uh, I mean, New Adult is, is coming out there now. I mean, I think I'm among some of the first to, to actually write for that category, and other publishers are starting to look at that age group, you know, that is a little bit older than, you know, oh, who's going to take me to prom type problems versus the hot and heavy, you know, romance for adults. It's like, where's, what about that in-between? And evidently, I've written all my books for that age group, and I didn't know that it would be a big deal later. I just wrote. <laughs> now, are you married? I sure am, 15 years. 15 years? And does your husband read any of your books? Actually, no. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> has, has he read one yet? Well, he's kind of skimmed and kind of started, you know, Wasteland. He's read, like, snippets of some of my other ones. I, I've been writing for a few years, so I have quite a few novels. And he just kind of reads little snippets or I'll run things by him, but not sat down and read the whole novel. Yeah, I, I just, I, I find that interesting because it's such in that female uh, category. And same with the Twilight books. He, right. So it's. It's really on the female audience, and I know, you know, my husband and my son, watching any of those movies or reading the books, they just, you know, roll their eyes to all of that, and yet even the moms are getting into the Twilight series, and, you know, there's, I think there's as many moms there at the movies as there is, uh, there are teenagers. I know, right? <laughs> so have you read them? The oh, Twilight yeah. Twilight series? And did you see the movie? Oh, yes. I've seen them all, and it's been pretty good. And have you read uh, The Hunger Games? Believe it or not, I think I'm the only one on the planet who hasn't read that yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is another one of those that's interesting. If you hear the premise of The Hunger Games, that it's actually children being put in a, an arena and that they fight until their death, uh, you look at that and go, why would I want my child or my teenager reading this book? Um, I have not read it, but both of my teenagers have, and now my 10-year-old wants to read it. So it, it's, it gets to that point where you have to read it because <laughs> you go, what yeah. are they reading and what's going in their head? So what, um, what about Wasteland do you just, as you were writing this, that you just, um, it it made you come alive. What was the main premise of it that you just couldn't wait for your readers to be able to capture? Well, I think the main thing is so many things are beyond our control, okay? Um, 
David, the main character, didn't ask to be half demon. He didn't ask for his mother to sell his soul before he was even conceived. He didn't want it. He doesn't want to be doing the the junk that his uh, master has him doing. He doesn't really have a choice. And there's, you know, huge punishments if he doesn't come through, which is how Wasteland starts after 245 years of solitary confinement. I mean, there's huge repercussions if he doesn't follow through. So he's kind of locked into something, you know. But through it all, there, there, there's just a little bit of hope. He holds on to his human side. I'm not really sure why, because it's a huge struggle. But okay, does. Lynn Rush, we are going to be right back. Hold on to that hope, and when we return from our break, we will continue our discussion. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Evermore. People have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Victor Frankel, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Simaluka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central, on toginet.com. Why do I feel so lousy? Why aren't my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live on Tuggynet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better. To make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are speaking with Lynn Rush, author of Wasteland that just came out a few months ago. And we were talking about uh, the question, 
are you listening to God and do you know when he is nudging you? But of course that led into paranormal um, writing. (laughs) But Lynn, you were talking about one of the characters in your book, uh, David, and talking about the hope that he has. So tell us a little bit more of where we left off. Well, sometimes when we're, you know, dealing with things, it's so dark. It just feels like there's no way out. You know, but it, you just have to keep that hope, even if you know or can't see it, it, it. It's there. You just have to trust it. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. You know, the light and dark thing. You can get through the dark. Okay, there's going to be something at the end. And I think that's the biggest thing from that I wanted. You know, in the book, there's always hope. And and that that is absolutely a huge thing to realize that there is hope. And so many times. Um, and I think especially for women that we need that that hope to know that there is the, the lightness. I know I'm meeting with a gal actually here in, an, in another hour after the show um, who is in the entertainment business. And uh, I say that lightly because um, most exotic dancers call themselves <laughs> entertainers. But um, just the, the darkness that, that's there and she is ready to get out of that industry and when they just have a little bit of hope and sometimes that hope can can be found. I mean, you know, so many times we will say, you know, you, you have to read the Bible. You need to get into God's Word. And many times people aren't there yet. They're not willing to to get into God's Word. It might take another book that God will, God speaks to us in so many ways. It doesn't always, you know, have to be, we have a tendency to go get into God's Word. You've got to read the Bible, which is awesome, and we need to be doing that. But sometimes it will be a book that we relate to a character, like you're talking about, the, you know, the character in your book, where they, they see the hope in this character, and they see that, you know, there is light in the darkness. And I just think it's amazing how Jesus can reveal himself in any way shape or form, and we sometimes put God in that box that he will only be revealed, you know, if you're inside the church walls or, you know, in, in God's Word. And so I think it's really neat as a believer when you are writing, and we do it creatively, because Jesus said, go be fishermen, you know, go, be, go out there and lure people in, and sometimes it can be done in different ways. And um, I know in, in this gal, in her situation, she does not, I, I invited her to church. She has no desire right now at the time in her life to go to church. So it's just going to be through that relationship. And sometimes it's handing them a book. Exactly. And, um, well, we, we wanted to get back to that question then of, are you listening to God? And do you know when he is nudging you? Do you feel when you're writing that, um, that you need to be, you know, just that clean, open vessel to really hear what God is, is telling you to, to write? Do you feel that, okay, I cannot do this if I don't have God going before me? You know, he's, he's before me in pretty much anything, you know, especially through my husband, too. You know, we, I mean, he, he and I talk about everything, you pray about things, stuff like that. But I just pretty much have the attitude, okay, God, what are we going to write today? You know, I just, I kind of just sit in there and, you know, I drive some writers absolutely nuts because I can just sit down in front of the screen and start writing, you know, but that's how I approach it. Okay, God, what are we doing today? What's going on? You know, and, and hopefully I can hear it. 
Mm-hmm. And then do you, how do you write? Do you always go with an outline? Because so many times, it, um, and I'm sure you hear this a lot as well, I, I will have people say, I really want to write a book, or I really want to write a Bible study, or I, I really want to, you know, do a, a blog. And they have one story in their in their life, and they write that one page, <laughs> and then they realize how hard it is to really write. So um, do you find that you always work off of an outline, or do you back into it? I am definitely not an outline girl. I am a seat-of-the-pants writer. Um, the most planning I do is what I, what I call a mind map, and that's just putting my characters in a page, and then I start, you know, just putting lines out of it with ideas and thoughts, and, oh, this could be a conflict. Oh, this is a little bit about our background or something. And then I just start writing, and the characters just go where they want to, and I've kind of been told, and I agree, that my rough draft um, is basically um, a 75,000-word outline. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's just, I sometimes I don't even have the character's name. And I just, you know, go with it. And yeah. then it's the second round and the third and the fifth and the tenth that finally it flushes out and I tweak and stuff. Yeah. And so do you find that as you, I like how you said that, that you build the, the characters and then you see where they can have their their conflict. Um, do you find that you have so many, uh, the, the, basically the end of the conflict that you, it's hard to land on the, the ending or how you want this particular scenario to play out? Do you write a few and keep reading them over and over again until you figure out, yeah, this is the best ending for that? I haven't done that yet. So far for my novels, uh, a lot of them, I'll just write it. Like, I kind of have an idea, kind of, where it might go, like how it might end. Um, But it's changed mid-book, you know, on that first draft before. And then I'll just, like, make a huge note. And then I'll just finish writing with this new idea you know, of how, where I wanted it to go. So then I know where it shifted and I have to go back and change it, you know, in the first half of the book. Um, but it really just, it just goes with how the characters start developing. I'm like, oh, yeah, we need to have it end like this. And then I go with it. Mm-hmm. And do you have quite a few other people around you that read and edit and give you some insight? Or do you just... Definitely. You do. I have critique partners. I have three very, very close ones that pretty much see everything of mine. I bounce ideas off them constantly. Um, you just can't really go, you know, in this in this journey of writing without critique partners because they'll just tell you really, dude, this is not working. You've got to change this. Or, dude, cut the first five chapters. The, the story really starts here. But ultimately... Uh, I have to. I have to just say, my editor over at Crescent Moon Press, Steph. I mean, she just. She's awesome. She just knows what it's about and says, "No, fix this." If, I mean, that's really important. Mm-hmm. Now you have a a pen name. Is Lynn Rush correct? That's correct. not your real name. No. So how do you, how do you come up with with that name, and why why do people choose a pen name? Well, the the reasons why vary. Um, now, my, my original name, Sherry Brink, is very hard to spell, and 
say, both the names. I mean, Sherry, you'd think pretty easy, but it's S-H-E-R-I. That's just not a very common spelling. And Boeing is B-O-E-Y-I-N-K. That's just not very, you have to remember that, you know. Yeah. And it, it, so that was my reason. Um, but technically, my middle name is Lynn. So, you know, I can always fall back on that. But really, my mother-in-law, who recently died from cancer in October, her name is Lynn. And she is a fantastic writer. And she read the very first thing I ever wrote. And it was hideous. It was horribly written. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know what point of view meant. Okay, it was that bad. And she was just so encouraging and inspiring. And like, yeah, you've got a lot of work to do, but you've started. You've started. Let's keep going. So... I'm like, we got to do Lynn. And I'm kind of a speed junkie, <laughs> speed skater, road biker, all that stuff, mountain biker. So I like things fast. And my, my all my books, they're, they're action-packed. They're fast-paced. So I thought Rush would be kind of good. Oh, that's funny. So Lynn Rush. Lynn Rush. Um, and speaking of that, so now I know your husband's a triathlete. Or you, you said you, you love the, the Rush, obviously, as well. So are you a triathlete or... or? Where do you get your rush? Well, it started with inline speed skating and, you know, screaming down those hills at 30 miles an hour on, on rollerblades, which, you know, I love that. And then um, mountain biking, going down the mountainside, and then now road biking. But I don't swim. I can swim. I just don't like it. So I'm not a triathlete, but I love going out for, you know, three, four-hour bike rides. I'm excited to get back into it. Because I just finished a half marathon last weekend, so now I'm going to go into my biking season. So, so did you do the um, the half marathon here in Arizona? Yes, PSA. Fun. And then you, your husband is a triathlete. He did the triathlon there at the Tempe Market. At he Tempe did the full Ironman. Wow. That's amazing. That is just I, – I do the sprint triathlons. I can't even imagine the training – that goes into doing the full triathlon. <laughs> it's, it's a like, lot. It's like a part-time job. On top it really of is. Job. It's about it. Yeah, it's it's like having a part-time part-time job. Well, Lynn, we we have two minutes till break. This has just flown by our time together. Um, if you could leave some tips just to inspire other authors that are out there, the bloggers that are trying to write, um, it can really. It, Everybody wants to have a voice. They want to matter. They want to be able to put it out there. Um, not everybody wants to put it in words, but many, many women do want to put their emotions and their feelings down on paper. In, in one minute, how could you share a tip there on, to our listeners? I think the, the biggest thing is to sit down and say, hey, God, what do you want me to say today? What, what do you want me to share? And then actually taking that next step. It's a leap of faith, a huge leap of faith, especially when you can't see. But, you know, God's big. He's got strong arms. He's going to catch you and push you in the right direction eventually. So sit down and ask yourself, okay, what do I have to say? And then start writing. And that is a great tip. It's like find out where you want your voice to be and always, always, always just sit down and ask God Okay, fill me up. What's in my hand today that I can put out there? Where is my voice today? And if you're really listening to God, he's just 
pouring into you. And Ephesians 3.20 talks about that he wants to do immeasurably more in our life than we can ever ask or imagine. So stay tuned. We will be right back with another author. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. You might think Juan's youth was sad because he had a death deal, mommy and dad. But that ain't the case. It wasn't his fate. No, the Juan's never struggled to communicate. Y'all wave your hands. It's That Keith Wine Show on Toginet.com, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central. Every week, That Keith Wine Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Wine and the show, go to his website, KeithWineWANN.com. Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge. Number, number one, Keith's number one. Everybody back. Don't miss that Keith Wan show Wednesday nights at eight seven central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. We are talking to our next guest, Donna Schillinger, and we are going to ask her the same question. Are you listening to God, and do you know when he's nudging you? It's nothing like, you know, putting you in the limelight, Donna, and asking if you're listening to God or not. But how are you today? I'm doing great, thanks, and I'm so excited to be uh, on this uh, program with you and to finally talk to you guys. We've been keeping tabs with your ministry for several years now, and so this is exciting for me. Well, thanks, Donna. And it's it's funny because you, um, I, I'm saying we as if Lisa's sitting next to me, but um, I have Carrie, our, our our producer here. You can you can actually talk to her, but she won't say anything on. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yes, Donna, how long have we, we met, how many years ago, and you actually asked us to write something to endorse your book on right. its own now, which is a fabulous book, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about that um, book as well today. So tell us, um, what led you to writing this book and why you were so inspired to tell everybody else on how to, how to figure it out on your own? Well, it, it's kind of a, a long story, but I'll, I'll try to um, abridge it for you. Um, I have uh, had a Christian upbringing, but really until uh, I lost my son at childbirth uh, back in 2005, I, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, 2004, his, his birthday is January 5th, 2004, and I always get the four and a five mixed up, but um, uh, I 
did not have Jesus as Lord of my life. And that experience, um, I think, was the snapping back of my cosmic rubber band. God had let me stray just as far as I was going to. And then, you know, he said, are you serious about this? And so after a period of mourning and a period of wondering, you know, how can God let this happen to me, um, I decided that I would start to read the Bible with just the goal of trying to find out who is this God, you know, that's doing these things in my life, and just to try to learn about the character of God. And uh, the Word of God just came uh, alive to me in a way that uh, I can't describe. I mean, and uh, it never happened before. And uh, that was the beginning of a new journey for me, I think, a new awakening, my new creation. And um, when I got to the book of Proverbs, I remembered it from when I was a teenager because I had read it faithfully month after month. You know, they say read a book of Proverbs a day and you'll get through it in a month on a 31-day month. And I had done that uh, for maybe a couple of years when I was young. And uh, I I sort of did it as a discipline then, um, as a a thing that that you're told you should do and, and so you do it. But I didn't really see the relevance of it. But as I read it through this time, I saw in retrospect how relevant it was to my life at that time, and and I felt such great sense of regret. And I, at that time, I believed that God was wanting me to uh, write down for my own daughter, who I think was about uh, 11 at the time, some reflections on how these Proverbs are really applicable to the life of a young woman. Um, and and so I, I started to do that just uh, got myself up early, um, added it to my regular work day, and um, sat down and, and kind of like your last author, I just said, okay, God, what, what do you have for me today? And uh, I would uh, read through the Proverbs, and, and, you know, God would bring my attention to one, and I would uh, begin to comment on that with some personal stories, because that's another thing that I feel that personal stories are so powerful, you know, in, in teaching, and especially uh, with the children. You know, I have a lot of younger brothers and sisters, and they always say, tell me a story from your college days, or tell me a story from your time in the Peace Corps. And so they're so fascinated by stories, and so I tried to, to weave stories of, of my life uh, in there. And, and so it was really a very personal project. Uh, but then I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, uh, you, could, you, know, you could let other young ladies benefit from this by uh, putting it out into some sort of format. And at first I didn't believe God would want me to write a book. I, I guess I just felt too inadequate for that, you know. And then, uh, you know, soon he, he showed me things, you know, it's like, yes, I want you to put it into a form of a book. And so I did that. And then, uh, you know, he took me a further step after that and said, uh, you know, continue this message. And so I, I have continued it with um, a monthly online magazine called Single Young Christian Woman. And uh, then it also led to the founding of the organization uh, on my own now ministries. Wow, that that is awesome, Donna. Uh, there was there were quite a few things that you said there. You definitely compacted that whole thing into just <laughs> <laughs> very impressive. <laughs> um, but one was a spiritual discipline. I think that is huge, um, and, and to even to take on that challenge, and and just for our listeners to be able to go, I'm going to start reading through Proverbs because you're right. Um, some of that might just be the discipline of it, but how God's going to speak to you through those Proverbs will just truly be life-changing. Um, and so many times we don't want to take the spiritual discipline. We don't like where our, our life is, but yet we don't want to commit to even that five, you could even start at five minutes a day 
and it can be life-changing to you. And I've noticed, and that this is going to make me sound really old, but in our younger generation, um, that even if they're listening to a message, if it's longer than 20 minutes, <laughs> yeah, they're Attention gone. deficit disorder, right? It's like, oh, that was such a long message, you know. <laughs> and we, because we are just so, um, I don't know if it's the ADD or just used to multitasking or used to being, you know, we're putting, a, you know, something on Twitter and then on our Facebook, then we're texting on the phone. So to be able to just be still can be very complicated and, and difficult in, in, with the younger generation. Um, and, and for me as well, I, I have a hard time with that. But it, it, it's hard to, to just have that spiritual discipline. The other thing um, that you had mentioned was the feeling inadequate. And just to, just to be able to say that and go, okay, but I was obedient to listening to what God was, you know, telling me to do. Therefore, I started writing down, your, like you said, your personal stories and writing down how God spoke to you through Proverbs. Um, but we let that fear or just, you know, that, that feeling of inadequacy literally immobilize us. And God wants to just pour through us and use us, and yet... We don't believe in ourselves, and we obviously don't believe in the, the power of God because we, we stop it right there. And I think that's really neat that, that you listen to his, his nudges and that you um, were obedient to, to his calling. Um, what now, I, I know you, you wrote this book now and you've put it out there, and another thing that gets very complicated for authors, it's a different world in the publishing company. So how are you now putting your book on my own now out there? Well, uh, that's, that's actually a, an excellent question that I continue to uh, reevaluate uh, on a weekly basis, if not uh, on a moment-to-moment basis. But, um, and I think this, uh, uh, this uh, guest appearance here on your radio show sort of was prompted by one of the emails that I sent out about admitting that I realize that I'm, uh, you know, a much better writer and publisher than I am marketer. And um, early on in uh, publishing, and I, and I should say that On My Own Now is uh, was the third book that I, I started a small publishing company with another book, and so then I self-published my own book. And I have a number of other books uh, with other authors through my small publishing company. But um, uh, trying to sell my own stuff is... Uh, it's humbling for me, and um, really, it's an issue of pride that keeps me from from wanting to talk about it because uh, it seems like it's my credibility on the line. But the fact of the matter is, is that it wasn't my effort, and and I would just be amazed sometimes that after I would finish write, finish writing uh, the commentary on a on a particular proverb, I would say. I did not have that. I did not know that was coming. That that was not mine. And so, you know, it was the spirit who was leading me uh, to write these things. And uh, actually, God's spirit gave me two scriptures today that I want to share with you. One is Second Corinthians three, five, and six, and uh, it says, "Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He's made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit." And then First John two twenty seven says. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. His anointing teaches you about all things. 
And so if I would really recognize the, the work that I did in that book and, and others as being God's competence uh, in me and his teaching, um, then, then I would feel a sense of pride about, uh, you know, promoting these things. But I also believe that there is a um, a divide today, um, in especially in Christian books and Christian music and everything. Uh, I don't really know exactly how to characterize it, but I think that somewhere there's a line in the sand where our ministry becomes marketing and it becomes a thing of this world and, a, and a, a, uh, more of a, a devil's device than, than God's work. And so I have to really closely always uh, evaluate, and I've, I've made myself a motto that is uh, – Mission, not marketing. Ministry, not marketing. And so I keep trying to say that to myself almost on a daily basis to to help me know where that line in the sand is. Well, you definitely just hit the nail on the head, Donna. Um, It has become all about marketing. And, you know, Lisa and I really struggle with this same thing as well because on one hand, it, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, that Jesus did say, go out there and be fishers of men. So we do have to market Jesus. And But on the other hand, it cuts into your, your ministry. You can get so caught up in how you're doing the marketing, and as a writer, uh, many times that's not your passion is right. the marketing. So then you, all of a sudden, you're waking up in, in the morning dreading the day because you're not leading in your strengths. You're leading in, okay, I, I have to go this route. And so you can either look around you and go, okay, God, put those people of influence in my life that do love to market, and we can work as a team moving forward. And that becomes difficult because so many people are, they're trying to market their own thing. So yeah. everybody's kind yeah. of... In that same pool, and so are we really? We have to ask ourselves that question: Are we marketing Jesus, or are we marketing ourselves? And that's something I think that we all daily are having to just pour out who we are, and just keep asking God to keep pouring into us. Um, this is a great topic, Donna, and we have a minute before we going to go into our commercial break, and I want to come back and really. Um, unfold this because so many women are struggling with this very same topic, not only as authors, but just in the workplace of what you're doing and how you're able to um, finish finish a task. And so um, it does go back to how we're listening to God, how we are able to tap into, like we said, Ephesians 3.20, just tap into immeasurably more and um, be the best um, I, that sounds so new age, be the best you you can be, but I mean it in a way of it created in, in his image. So stay tuned. We will be right back with Girlfriend It, and we are speaking with Donna Schillinger, author of On My Own Now. And once again, we are talking about how we are listening to God and listening to his nudge. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. 
It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on toginet.com. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903 617 6899. 903 617 6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning RX can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to Girlfriended. We are speaking with Donna Schillinger, and she is the author of On My Own Now. And once again, Donna, we were talking about... um, how you uh, were listening to God's nudges and how you felt compelled to start reading through Proverbs and then writing down those insights and telling your personal stories and having to get over the inadequacies of that. But we were also talking about now marketing a book once you have written the book. And I do want to kind of unpack that with All of the social media, it can be so overwhelming, and the whole publishing world has changed to the degree that it's not um, the publishing company. They they don't even take on um, a lot of the marketing. It's it's up to you. You have to be the one that figures out where to speak and then, um, you know, slowly uh, pull your your book out in a creative way where it doesn't seem like a sales pitch. You have to, you know, get on Twitter and get the 50,000 followers. You have to get on Facebook. And basically you're having to find your tribe, you know, those people that are going to be your mouthpiece to get the buzz out there. And it can be very overwhelming and and really complicated at times. So, um, if you have any insight to that, uh, please share. 
Well, I, I have a lot of insight, but I'm not sure that anybody really wants to take my advice <laughs> because I'll, I'll just confess to you that, uh, you know, I'm no raging success. I certainly am not. And, you know, as far as having figured this thing out, I have not. I have some very strong opinions and principles about it, but I'm not. I don't even know that, uh, you know, that I'm correct in this because, um, because the, the fact of the matter is, is that I, I haven't seen the self-success that some of these others have. And so, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. But uh, one thing that, uh, that I believe God is saying to me is that I need to stay in step with the Spirit. And so I could, you know, probably burn the midnight oil every night trying to keep up with all these different um, uh, prescriptions for, you know, how to market your um, your message and uh, maybe, you know, sell a lot more books, but would I be in step with the Spirit? And this is an, an issue that I've had problems with in the past, including with, you know, some of my, my mission trips is that I have made them happen. And then I, I felt later upon reflection, God said to me, uh, I wouldn't have had you do that, you know, yeah, and now you're, you're suffering some consequences from this, that, and the other, um, because you kind of outstepped me. You had a good idea and you ran with it, but did you ask me? And uh, I think that that's important that we need to uh, really evaluate whether or not I, our ideas are good ideas or if they're God ideas. And I had a recent experience about this that um, just kind of drove this home again for me, uh, and you constantly need reminders, but um, I, th- I'm struggling with a particular issue, and, and I woke up in the middle of the night one, uh, one night and had an idea at three in the morning, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it seems like a good time to have an idea. And, uh, you know, it was so, such a reasonable idea, and I thought, yes, this is good. This is good. And uh, I talked to my daughter about it on our commute in, into her school, and then um, when I came back and, and got into the Word and in my quiet time, my devotion, uh, God gave me a reading that showed me that, no, my idea was not according to His will for this situation, um, that there was a, an issue that I was overlooking. And so I, I realized, no, this is God talking to me. Why? Because He revealed it through His Word in his time, the, the time that I gave him in that day that I dedicated to him. And this other idea, although good and reasonable, came to me in the middle of the night, was not a God idea. And so there are, there are differences between good and God ideas. And so, um, uh, again, I had, uh, like I said earlier, my, my motto for myself really is um, ministry, not marketing, mission, not marketing. And so, um, you know, I, I have gone the route of trying to um, do all the, the things that the marketers prescribe. You know, I've bought the books and I've uh, done all these things and, and you know, with uh, varying degrees of success. And uh, and, uh, and and the end, you know, I'm just worn out and I feel like I didn't really accomplish that much. And and so, uh, you know, God helped me sort of bring bring myself back to saying, uh, what is it that, that God has given me to do? He's given me a message for young adults. Okay, so that's what I need to do. I need to focus on my message for young adults. And so if something comes along that seems like, oh, this is a, you know, a hot way to get some new business or some you know, new uh, likes on Facebook or whatever, um, you know, I have to ask myself, well, is this in line with the, the task that I know that God has assigned to me right now? And if it's not, then I don't need to be wasting my time on it. And I, and I love that. What is it that God has given me to do? Because just like you said, is it a good idea or a God idea, which is really hard to differentiate. But when you just go back to waking up in the morning and, and asking God, okay, what are you putting in my hand today to accomplish? 
we have a tendency that we, we want him to tell us what a year what's yes. going to happen, and we need to explode, um, you know, whatever he's put in our hand, and maybe what he's given to us is exactly like what you said. Right now, it's for this group of, of people to be able to just for you to be able to give these these proverbs or to breathe into them this is where it, God is having you in this circle in this tribe in this group of people and sometimes we think oh it has to be out there for the masses and maybe right. not time right now is not for the masses it might be just for that one person or that one girl that you're meeting with for lunch that day and, and I think that, that modern media has uh, really given us uh, all uh, megalocomplexes. You know, we all believe we have to, to reach mass numbers. And, and really, if you look through the history of, uh, you know, God's work in humanity, it's not about reaching huge numbers. Uh, any, you know, you've got your Apostle Paul and, and your stellar people like that who did reach huge numbers, but so many of these stories are uh, the, uh, personal impacts from one to another. And so we really should not sell that short, uh, you know, this temptation with media to say, oh, I could reach, you know, 3,000 people or 30,000 people. But what about two people? <laughs> I mean, that is significant to God. Well, exactly, and, it, you know, yeah, what about the one right in front of you? Yeah. And uh, look at how Jesus, how he poured into 12, and, and look at what took place, you know? So if we looked at it from that perspective, rather than always having to hit the masses, it's it's really hard with the social media because we, we do have a tendency to do the comparison game. and. Yes. That makes you even feel more in, inadequate. Um, we call that grabbing the maidservant because <laughs> we're, like you said, we're trying to do it our way, and we are grabbing the maidservant rather than um, going out there and, and doing it God's way. Well, you have, um, and, and just like you said, the reason why you were on the radio show is you sent an email, and what I really liked, Donna, that you put in that email was just you, you poured your heart out. And um, share a little bit about what you're doing and why you put that email out there. Well, um, that, that particular uh, sales effort, if you will, uh, was a, a fundraiser for um, uh, who is a dear now a dear friend of mine and ministry partner uh, Narciso Zamora and Udelia uh, Santiago. They're married, but you know in, in Latin America they don't take each other's names, so they have two different last names. Um, and, and they've uh, been acquaintances of my family through ministry uh, partnerships for uh, over thirty years now. And uh, I, I have become involved more involved with his ministry. We met when I was in the Peace Corps um, back in the uh, early nineties or late 80s, early 90s, and um, uh, I became more involved in his ministry when he sent me a copy in Spanish of his memoir, which he called uh, Walking with God, Caminante con Dios. And I uh, was reading that, and I decided, uh, or I believe God God led me to say, you know, this this book needs to be available for uh, people to read in your language. So I translated it and again, got up early um, and did the extra work, added it to my day and um, uh, translated the book and then published it, Walking Man, A Modern Missions Experience in Latin America. And I think that came out in 2008. And since then, I have been uh, just a lot more involved in his ministry. Of course, I invested myself so heavily in it with that activity, and I just really uh, have a burden for it and care for it. And um, 
And we've gone on a couple of mission trips there to help him uh, build a church there in Cajamarca, Peru, which is uh, the recent region he's just moved to in the last four years and settled down. It's only two hours from where he was born. And it's funny, he's, you know, walked about the, the South American continent and ended up two hours from where he was born. But um, uh, he's working on putting up a local congregation there as well as a polyclinic that will bring down uh, in, um, excuse me, um, uh, medical professionals of different varying kinds that anybody who wants to take a medical mission trip and, and serve the people there in that area. And then also uh, he has a, um, a discipleship training course. It's a very non-traditional learning type environment for people who may not even, you know, on academics alone be able to qualify to get into high school, let alone seminary. But these are, are people who want to be leaders who've been called to be leaders in their local congregation, and he's doing uh, discipleship training with them. And so uh, this is his current project that uh, I'm, in, I'm trying to support. I, we support it through uh, the royalties from his book. Um, when we set up an agreement with Narciso about the publishing of Walking Man, uh, I basically gave him in the royalty agreement all the proceeds that would pertain to a publisher normally. And so the book is really, uh, you know, the proceeds of the book do go to him. And um, uh, then additionally, uh, you know, I, I try to assist with uh, being a liaison for any of uh, people from the United States who want to support him who don't speak Spanish because he, his English isn't very good. And uh, he, he sends um, uh, information to me uh, via email that I then translate and put on his blog. So I keep his blog up, which is walkingman.ws. Okay, say that again, walkingman.ws. W-S. Yeah. And this is where they can go and find out more information. And, Donna, we only have one minute left. I, I'm telling you, I think you fast-forwarded the time or something. <laughs> <laughs> I so quickly. Um, but can you just leave a, a little tip for our listeners on just to encourage them, and how can they truly just listen to, to God's nudges? Well, I think the, the very most important thing is to always give God his time. Give your daily tithe of time every day. And this is something in my own life that, you know, like I said, I was raised in the church, but then I stopped doing that in college, and that is where my life went south. And then when I began to do that again, this is how God has started to work in my life. And so we have to give God our daily uh, tithe devotion. And it's in his time through his word and conversational prayer, not just rattling off a bunch of petitions, but actually waiting and listening and, and being eager to hear how God is going to speak to you that day. And in dedicated time, that's how we're going to hear God's voice. Well, thank you. And we will talk to you again next week on Girlfriend It. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It. The show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show designed.